All right, turn your Bibles, please, to the book of Exodus. Um, if you haven't been with us for a while or it's been, you've been sketchy or whatever, we took a little breather uh, at Christmas time from uh, Exodus and plagues and all that and got all Christmassy, and then we got all kind of New Year stuff, and now we're back in Exodus, and um, it's amazing how applicable this uh, remains to our lives. It's a, it's a strange scene from long ago, but uh, um, it matters to our lives in application and, and certainly through the gospel. So uh, here we are in uh, chapter 9 of Exodus, starting in verse 13. This is God's word. Then the Lord said to Moses, rise up early in the morning and present yourself before Pharaoh and say to him, thus says the Lord, the God of the Hebrews, let my people go that they may serve me. For this time I will send all my plagues on you yourself and on your servants and your people so that you may know that there is none like me in all the earth. For by now I could have put out my hand and struck you and your people with pestilence, and you would have been cut off from the earth. But for this purpose I have raised you up to show you my power, so that my name may be proclaimed in all the earth. You are still exalting yourself against my people and will not let them go. Behold, about this time tomorrow, I will cause very heavy hail to fall, such as never has been in Egypt from the day it was founded until now. Now therefore send, get your livestock and all that you have in the field into safe shelter. For every man and beast that is in the field and is not brought home will die when the hail falls on them. Then whoever feared the word of the Lord among the servants of Pharaoh heard his slaves and his livestock into the houses. But whoever did not pay attention to the word of the Lord left his slaves and his livestock in the field. And the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand toward heaven so that there may be hail in all the land of Egypt on man and beast and every plant of the field in the land of Egypt. And Moses stretched out his staff towards heaven. And the Lord sent thunder and hail and fire ran down to the earth. And the Lord rained hail upon the land of Egypt. There was hail and fire flashing continually in the midst of the hail, very heavy hail, such as had never been in all the land of Egypt since it became a nation. The hail struck down everything that was in the field in all the land of Egypt, both man and beast. And the hail struck down every plant of the field and broke every tree of the field. Only in the land of Goshen, where the people of Israel were, was there no hail. Then Pharaoh sent and called Moses and Aaron and said to them, This time I have sinned. The Lord is in the right and I and my people are in the wrong. Plead with the Lord, for there has been enough of God's thunder and hail. I will let you go and you shall stay no longer. Moses said to him, as soon as I have gone out of the city, I will stretch out my hands to the Lord. The thunder will cease and there will be no more hail so that you may know that the earth is the Lord's. But as for you and your servants, I know that you do not yet fear the Lord God. The flax and the barley were struck down for the barley was in the ear and the flax was in the bud, but the wheat and the emmer were not struck down for they are late in coming up. So Moses went out of the city from Pharaoh and stretched out his hands to the Lord, and the thunder and the hail ceased, and the rain no longer poured upon the earth. But when Pharaoh saw that the rain and the hail and the thunder had ceased, he sinned yet again, and hardened his heart, he and his servants. So the heart of Pharaoh was hardened, and he did not let the people of Israel go, just as the Lord had spoken through Moses. Let's pray one more time. Father, may the truth be spoken and received here today. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we just had an ice storm. 
And, you know, I'm from the north and I grew up with snow and my first day in driver's ed was in a big, heavy snowstorm and all that. But nothing compares to an ice storm. An ice storm is completely unique and uh, it's hard to describe it to someone who's not from here. But when that 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 temperature dips and that rain starts coming and the trees start icing over, isn't it amazing? You go out at night and you just hear and you just hear these limbs falling and falling. I mean, you experience that, right? It's eerie, isn't it? You don't know what's going to come and what's going to fall, and you hear that your neighbor's big tree is creaking up there, and you're like, that's over my bedroom, and uh, it's, uh, it's very humbling to hear all that. Isn't it amazing? By the way, who, who's, who's, who lost power? Who still doesn't have power? Okay. Well, some of our staff still doesn't have power. Uh, it's been three days for some of our staff. Uh, we never lost power, praise the Lord. Uh, of course, both of, two of our three cars were in the shop, um, so we were down to one car, but uh, so not the same thing. But all to say, it's amazing how you're racing around, living life normally, everything's fine, and all of a sudden somebody's like, hey, did you hear about the storm? The who? The what? The what's coming? Huh? What now? And you go, oh no, an ice storm. And then all of a sudden everything changes because so, some water falls from the sky. We feel like we've got everything under control, and then all of a sudden it's proven to us that we don't have everything under control because some water's falling from the sky that we didn't expect. You know, another result of the storm was the aftermath. You know, you drive around, and uh, who had limbs down? We did too, and uh, we're dragging limbs out to the street, and uh, um, there are limbs all over the place. They're lying all over the roads. They're lying on the power lines. You see them on power lines, um, and uh, there were also limbs that fell on people's homes and cars. And, you know, um, a well-meaning Christian might say something like, oh, I'm sorry that tree fell on your roof, but God had nothing to do with that. Well, friends, that's preposterous. Please don't take the wind uh, out of God's storehouses. He's got the wind and the waves and the rain and the snow. And uh, if a tree fell on your house, um, it's because God let a tree fall on your house. That's why a tree fell on your house. And, you know, the real question is, now, the real question is, why aren't all the trees falling on all of our houses all the time? And the answer is God's grace. Uh, that's a harder point to preach when there's a tree actually on your house. Um, but my, saying that, my, my point in saying that is to emphasize this, which is our main idea here today. Come on, thing. Uh, God always uses all things for His purposes. You know, in verse 16, it says, um, uh, For this purpose I have raised you up, Pharaoh. To show you my power, so that my name may be proclaimed in all the earth. Uh, Pharaoh rules this most powerful land. He wields power. Uh, the people uh, live their lives. They are making decisions about their families and their possessions and their careers and their futures and their bodies and their livelihoods and all that. They really are acting within their own will. Pharaoh's acting within his will. The people are living their lives, acting within their will, but all the while, God is using all things everywhere for His own purposes uh, to accomplish everything that He intends to accomplish. All right, so that uh, uh, big point put up there. Let's go to our first of three points. Exaltation uh, and humiliation. Verse 13, uh, then the Lord said to Moses, okay, then what? I mean, what, what has just happened? Well, verse 12 just happened. The Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, and he did not listen to them as the Lord had spoken to Moses. So another plague had come. It was boils that time, and uh, it happened, and uh, Pharaoh hardened his heart. Now we're caught up to our story. Then, 
So Pharaoh's heart is hardened. Then the Lord said to Moses, rise up early in the morning, present yourself before Pharaoh and say to him, thus says the Lord, the God of the Hebrews, let my people go. Now, it is widely thought that the so-called plagues um, come in sets of three. So it's three sets of three plagues. Uh, and then there's a biggie at the end, which is the, the loss of the firstborn and Passover. So three, 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 and then the biggie at the end, which, is, uh, which results in Passover. Um, the, the, in the first two, uh, when R Moses presents himself to Pharaoh, a river is mentioned, all right? So that's the thing that people go, well, it's really three hunks. Well, in each of the three hunks, it's when uh, the Lord says to Moses, rise up and present yourself to Pharaoh, all right? So that's why people think it's in a set of three. Um, in, in the first two, a river is mentioned, okay? Uh, Pharaoh goes down to the river in the morning, and uh, Moses meets him there, and, uh, and so on. And... Um, you know, uh, some people make a big deal about Pharaoh going down to the river and uh, some commentators and they say, well, you know, there were Egyptian gods and a river god, a god of the Nile, and he's probably down there praying. Oh, wonderful Pharaoh's probably praying. And uh, I'm like, you know what? That's a cool idea and you can preach it all day, but in nowhere does the passage ever hint at anything like that, that Pharaoh's down at the river praying to pagan gods. Rather, I think he's down there probably taking a bath like his daughter was when Moses was a baby. Um, you know, when I was a kid, um, we went, used to go to uh, UP Bible Camp, Upper Peninsula, Michigan Bible Camp uh, every year. And uh, you ever, who's, who's been swimming in Michigan water? All right, well, you haven't, you haven't been in cold water until so you've, you've been swimming in a lake in Michigan. But so there was this Bible Camp was on this lake in Michigan, and this dude owned this house kind of near the camp. In fact, when he died, he gave the house to the camp and, and, and all that. But I can't remember what his name was, but we loved him. He was an old guy. He had an Abraham Lincoln beard. He, he had a cane, but he had a, he had a golf cart and a dog named Lady uh, with a bandana, a golden retriever. We loved Lady. Um, but one of the, my memories of that guy is every morning, he, and his, he had a cab, you know, so if I'm looking at the lake, his cabin was over there. He walked out in that lake every morning in his swim trunks with nothing but a bar of soap. And that's how he did it. <laughs> he took a bath in the lake every single day with a bar of soap. And by the way, in case you think, ew, that's icky, blah, blah, blah. What do you think Jesus did? You think he drew up a nice hot bath? You think it was ivory soap and aired extra dry and hairspray and all that stuff? I mean, it was, it was very elemental. Uh, anyway, all I'm saying is that Pharaoh was probably just going down to the river uh, for his daily bath. We don't need to invent some story um, to, to, to make fun of Egyptian deities. The, the text goes ahead and does that for us. All right, so once again, in verse 13, it says, the Lord said to Moses, rise up early in the morning, present yourselves before Pharaoh. The NIV and others say, confront Pharaoh. And um, that appears to be too strong of a translation. Um, he, he's not going in there like a heavyweight wrestler. Rather, he is a prophet with a message. He presents himself. Uh, other translations say, stand before Pharaoh. Which is, an interesting, uh, which is interesting when you think about how the magicians couldn't stand before Pharaoh just in the last account. They couldn't even stand before him because they were covered in boils. But here Moses is standing before him. Others will say, uh, other translations say, station yourself before Pharaoh. And you see that the whole scene here remains a response asked by Pharaoh. Uh, it's a question asked by Pharaoh early on in chapter 5, verse 2. Pharaoh says, who is the Lord? that I should obey his voice and let Israel go. I do not know the Lord. Moreover, I will not let Israel go. Well, God is still responding to that question. Wait a minute, Moses. Who is the Lord? I don't know. I'm not going to listen to him. Well, 
Now, for this purpose, I've raised you up. Um, rise up and present yourself to Pharaoh that he, that, and say, let my people go that they may serve me. It's getting personal. And in verses 13 and 14, look at the end of it. Let my people go that they may serve me. Verse 14, for this time I will send all my plagues on you yourself. All right, that, that's getting personal, ladies and gentlemen. Um, you yourself, your servants, your people, all right? And it's not just stuff in the land and all that. Now, now this three sets of plagues is getting very personal. Uh, in fact, the literal translation of verse 14, the beginning of it is, I will send the full force of my plagues against your heart. The meaning being, against the core of who you are, Pharaoh, the center of who you are. I'm zeroing in on you now, Pharaoh. Uh, you know, one commentator um, said that... Um, the Egyptians believed that a Pharaoh's heart was of divine nature and controlled history and society. Okay, they did, they, they did think that, that, that Pharaohs were divine, but I thought that was interesting about their heart. They thought that a Pharaoh's heart was of divine nature, controlled history and society. And if that commentator is right, then what an ironic display we have here of God's power and control over everything. If you believe, if you remember, uh, Egyptians believed that uh, their gods with a small g were in control of all nature. You know, when you're in an agricultural uh, uh, setting and uh, you, the stuff has to grow for you to live, and every time, every season you go, Do we, did it rain enough? Do we have enough in the storehouses? Are we going to make it? You're, they're very agriculturally minded, all right? So they had these Egyptian gods and goddesses. One goddess was named Nut, N-U-T. She was the goddess of the sky and the heaven. There was another god named Shu, S-H-U. Uh, he was a supporter of the heavens, and he held up the sky. And then there's a goddess named Tefnut, T-E-F-N-U-T, Tefnut, Egyptian goddess, the goddess of moisture. That's quite a title, isn't it? You can't make that up. Well, here's what God thinks about all that. Verse 15, by now... I could have put out my hand and struck you and your pe people with pestilence, and you would have been cut off from the earth. But for this purpose, I've raised you up to show you my power. And we get to the crux of the matter according to God, verse 17. You are still exalting yourself against my people and will not let them go. And that is the problem, ladies and gentlemen, exalting oneself against God. You know, uh, to apply this to our lives, one of the great heartaches um, in our culture right now is the whole gender identity situation. Um, I mean, it, it is hard to fathom where we are, isn't it? That people question whether they're male or female or what that is. And uh, there's all kinds of uh, people that say, well, you know, medicine's this and science is this and all that. Hey, if you're born a biological male, newsflash, 100% of your cells are male. If you're born a biological fe female, newsflash, 100% of the cells in your body are female. It doesn't matter what you put in there. It doesn't matter how you affect it. Your cells remain cells, male or female. That's just a fact. The fallen human heart, this gender thing, is right at the top of the list. By the way, you heard the term transhumanism? Have you heard that term? That's coming up, y'all. That's coming up. You watch. What is human? Are we really even human? Do humans really have to just marry humans? You watch. You watch it. In the next five or ten years, transhumanism is going is to really be in, in the news. Um, the fallen heart wants to go away from God and His design, and the gender thing is just the, the, one of the biggest billboards you can think. 
You know, we say, I'm not going to obey you. I'm not going to listen to you. I'm going to exalt myself over you. You're not going to exalt yourself over me. And I don't care if you made me a man or a lady. I can even reject that. My maker. I can reject that. I can even reject being human, whatever that is. Uh, A more common way to say it is, um, I don't want anyone to tell me anything. I don't want anyone to impose any kind of rules on me. I want to live the way I want to live, and I don't want anybody to tell me different. Another way to say it in shorthand might be, I'm free. You can't tell me anything. I'm free. So let's take our application right from the text. There's a right way and a wrong way to respond to God. Look at verse 18. Behold, about this time tomorrow... I will cause very heavy hail to fall, such as never been in Egypt from the day it was founded until now. Um, and then it goes on, and the, 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 get your livestock into the, into, into the shelter. Every man and beast in the field is not brought home, will die when the hail falls on them. And then there are, there are people who seem to fear God. In verse 20, whoever feared the word of the Lord among the servants of Pharaoh hurried his slaves and his livestock into the houses. But whoever did not pay attention to the word of the Lord left his slaves and livestock in the field. Now, there's no need to make commentary on slaves and all that stuff. That was just the way it was back then in Egypt. This is simply reporting the way the Egyptians lived their lives and did things. They had slaves who were not Israelites, uh, just like they had slaves who were Israelites. They had livestock who were still alive that were spared from the time before. And um, so here's here's the thing. You've got people who are fearing the Lord, but, but don't get your hopes up too fast and go, oh, true converts, because they blow it again. You know, at the end of, um, yeah, yeah, at the end of verse 34, it says that they, they, they blow it, okay? But they feared the consequences, at least. They saw what had happened before, and they feared God in that way. Um, and, you know, it says that uh, God says to Pharaoh, you are still exalting yourself. You are exalting yourself against my people. That idea of exalting oneself, that, the, the idea of that word there is kind of like building up a, um, a ramp to a wall when a city, when a, an army besieges the, the, the city. They build a ramp so they can go up the wall. Well, that's exalting oneself, all right? Or that can also refer to a road. For instance, uh, you don't build a road below the below the uh, ground level, you build it a little bit up, right? The water runs off, you build it up. And that's the idea here. Um, a road sits above the terrain and, uh, and uh, Pharaoh's exalting himself above God. Well, you know, one writer I was reading said this, I thought it was pretty insightful. He said, they, uh, these people, achieved God's missionary purpose. In other words, uh, they, they resonate in history, uh, they can be, they're, they're referred to again and again and again in the scriptures, this whole situation with Egypt and God delivering the Israelites from Egypt. It's a refrain all throughout the scriptures. It's cited in the Old Testament, the Psalms, and the New Testament. And uh, what does this guy mean by, by the, 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 the plagues uh, and the people's response to them achieving God's missionary purpose? Well, another writer said this, though the plagues had terrible consequences, they were principally acts of mercy. Hmm. There is nothing more important in life than having a true perception of God and one's status before Him. In a sense, the plagues were merciful because God is showing these people who's really in control and that it really is the best thing for your soul. 
is to know who God is and who we are in relation to this God. And by the way, this is a great opportunity to articulate the gospel. That is the sin problem. God is one way. We are another. God is our maker. We are creatures. God is holy, 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 which is the first thing you're going to sing out there today. And we are in our sin, fallen and separated from God and His holiness. That's the sin problem, and that's what Jesus came to do. The righteousness of God, who is Jesus, came to this earth, lived a perfectly righteous human life. So you've got the righteousness of God living a perfectly righteous human life, and He is then eligible to be the one person who can lay that life down for sinners. That's why Jesus died on the cross, to take your place, to take your punishment, so that salvation can be given to you as a free gift without you doing anything. All right, our uh, second point, give me shelter. Verse 22, then the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand toward heaven so that there may be hail in the land uh, in Egypt on every man and beast and plant of the field in Egypt. And so that happens. Moses stretches out his hand um, and it says it was the worst hail since uh, Egypt was invented, which I think was 3900 BC. I think it was either 3800 or 3900 BC. I, I read it somewhere. I couldn't find it again. Um, and uh, this is probably like 1800 years after that. So for centuries and centuries and centuries and centuries, um, seasons came and went and there was hail in Egypt and, and they'd seen hail before. It's true. Uh, but never like this, not like this in verse 25. Um, uh, the hail struck down everything that was in the field in all the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and the hail struck down every plant of the field and broke every tree of the field. Now, that verse and verses like it always bring up the question, uh, does, does all always mean all in the Bible? And the answer is no. All does not always mean all in the Bible. Uh, for instance, struck down every plant of the field, broke down every tree of the field. Well, there's another plague coming. It's called locusts. They got to have something to nosh. So there's something left. Uh, and we get an answer to it. Uh, in verse 31, we get a little footnote, which is kind of cool. You, in the middle of this action, all of a sudden, uh, you know, the ESV puts it in parentheses. But in verse 31, it goes, the flax and the barley were struck down, for the barley was in the ear and the flax was in the bud. Okay, so something was a blooming and growing, and it got bashed down by the hail. But the wheat and the emmer, is Teresa Baker in the room? There's another word for emmer. There's another flower. I think I've used that flower, but it's, there's another word for emmer. The wheat and the emmer were not struck down for they laid in coming up. So there's more stuff growing. The locusts are going to get that. And so all doesn't mean all. Uh, there are still animals. There are still uh, plants. There are still uh, slaves uh, uh, that the Egyptians own and so on. But I don't know if you noticed or not, but there's kind of a cadence to the passage. Whenever you see in the Old Testament, especially Old Testament narratives, it'll say, uh, God said, do that, and then the scriptures go out, go, go, goes out of its way to say, and Moses did the thing that God said, and it happened. You know, it seems repetitive to us, but the, the, the Bible wants to say, God says, this and this and this and this, and this and this and this and this happened. God says, this and this and this and this, and this and this and this and happened. There's a cadence that happens, and the, and the reason that it happens uh, is it it's, it's wants to show us that God's doing it, God's doing it, God's doing it. But the whole thing leads up to this one big thing in verse 26. Only in the land of Goshen, where the, where the people of Israel were, was there no hail. You know, uh, before the ice storm even, I have honestly, for the last several years, 
been thinking about shelter a lot. In fact, I've been thanking God um, for shelter a good bit. Um, you know, I, I've told you this before, but we have a real fireplace, and we built a big old roaring fire, and the dog trembles when she looks at it, and it's warm, and she's a little afraid of it. And, and uh, it's humbling. It's humbling building a fire because you go, man, without central heat, I mean, I've been doing that all day long and chopping wood all day long and have giant, giant hunks of wood all over the place. And I mean, it's very humbling. Uh, when it's raining outside, you go, here's a window. It's wet there. It's dry here. It's, uh, there's like a, there's a, there's a wall and I'm in this like safe little cocoon. And uh, it's very easy to take for granted. You know, th thank God for your shelter, ladies and gentlemen. Don't, don't, don't forget to do that. When you turn on the water and clean water comes out, thank God for that. I mean, it's, it's a blessing, and it's, it's strange in human history where, where we live right now. Um, but I love watching the rainfall when I'm dry and warm inside, and I wonder if it wasn't like that for the people in Goshen. Only in the land of Goshen, where the people of Israel were, was there no hail. They knew there was hail, storms out all around them, but in the land of Goshen, they're protected and safe. The world around them is deeply affected, yet they were protected and spared. Why? Why, Israel? Because they were so wonderful? Um, no. Listen to this. Um, God says in Deuteronomy 7, You are a people holy to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for His treasured possession out of all the peoples who are on the face of the earth. Wow. Pretty wonderful, huh? I wonder what an Israelite's supposed to think. Well... God says, it was not because you were more in number than any other people that the Lord set His love on you and chose you, for you were the fewest of all peoples. But it is because the Lord loves you and is keeping the oath that He swore to your fathers that the Lord has brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of slavery, from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Ladies and gentlemen, that's what grace is. You know, uh, in Mancake, we're studying this great book called The Everlasting Righteousness by, by Horatius Bonar, and uh, an old uh, kind of semi-Puritan guy. And um, uh, afterward, a, a guy came up to me, and we were talking about grace, and we were talking about uh, just kind of the dynamics of grace and our responding to God and what makes it free and, and all that. And uh, I had an opportunity to use an illustration that I've, I've used in here before, but you got to use it sparingly and you got to find the right guy. Uh, hey, Brooks, could you come up here for a second? So what happens is people go on mission trips and they go, all right, kids, I'm going to give you an illustration about what grace is. All right. See this dollar? See this dollar? Somebody's going to walk home with this dollar. All right? Now, I'm, here's, here's, here's grace. I'm going to give you this dollar. All you got to do is take it. That's grace. Okay. That's not grace. That's a bad illustration. You want to know? Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> Don't move. All right. You can't give this back. This is yours. Okay? Don't get too excited. This is grace. What'd you do? Nothing. That's grace. Thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, that is grace. Um, that, that, that's the whole point. Uh, you can't earn it. Uh, God just sets His love on people to be His treasured possession, uh, not because they were new, more numerous, but because He loves them, chose them, 
and is staying true to his own word. That is grace, ladies and gentlemen. All right. Our last point is the danger of blue skies. And uh, back to our passage here in verse 27. Um, Pharaoh sent and called Moses and Aaron and said to them, this time I have sinned. Okay, we go, oh, wow. Okay, wow. Uh, the Lord is in the right and I, am I and my people are in the wrong. Plead with the Lord and uh, make it stop. And uh, we go, oh, wow. Praise. What a wonderful moment for Pharaoh. But don't get too excited. Um, uh, largely, uh, that, that word, that when he says, I have sinned, um, the, the translation for that may be too specific. A lot of other translators say, say that means more like, I missed the target, or I blew it, or it was a mistake, or it was a miscalculation. It wasn't saying, I have sinned against the holy God of Israel, and, and I have nothing to offer except to beg for mercy. Uh, it's not so much that. Uh, we see that he admits to sinning, so, so to speak. But uh, later, I mean, in a very short time, he goes on freely sinning when the storm is passed. In verse 28, um, he says, plead with the Lord. There's been enough of this. Uh, I'll let you go. Uh, but then in verse 33, Moses stretches out his hand. It happens and all that. But at the end of that, it says that Pharaoh hardened his heart again, he and his servants. So even the ones who, quote, unquote, feared the Lord before also cave like Pharaoh. And uh, they say, ah, forget it. Um, you know what it's like after a really big storm? You know, it rains in Memphis for five days and uh, it's everything soggy and drippy and all that. And uh, the, the yard is squishy and there's puddles everywhere. And, and uh, all of a sudden it starts drying out and the wind starts blowing and the beautiful sun starts coming out. And in two or three days it starts drying again and, and everything kind of goes back to normal. That's dangerous, friends, when it starts feeling like normal again. In verses 34 and 35, that's what happened. Pharaoh saw that the rain and hail and thunder ceased, so he sinned again. The servants did too, and the heart of Pharaoh was hardened. He did not let the people of Israel go, just as the Lord had spoken through Moses. Now, as we've spoken of in this class before, it is asked time and time and time again, did Moses harden, uh, excuse me, did Pharaoh harden his own heart, or did God harden Pharaoh's heart? And the answer is yes. The Bible says both things. In this Exodus account, you know, years ago, um, uh, I had a, Tammy doesn't really know this, but this is a long time ago. There was a, a lone rat that had invaded the Umlauf uh, Arosa. And um, it had uh, made its way through a hole and gone up and had gone in our storage room. Did you know this, babe? And he broke a little hole through the top of the storage room and got in the storage room. Anyway, I was cleaning out our storage room, and I was like, oh, look at that. There's an old leather glove behind the, the hot water heater. And I picked it up. I was, that's not a glove, you know. <laughs> uh, anyway, he croaked. And uh, I put the clues together. He had uh, mowed through a big bag of ant poison. Delicious. Loved it. No problem. He mows through a big bag of mole poison. You know, you put the thing in the ground and you, you put the thing, you know, some of you have the stabby thing. I had the little poison thing. Anyway, he, he mowed through that. No problem. Grub killer. You know that you put on your ground to kill the grubs? Delicious. I love grub killer. Poison, poison. You know what did him in? Rat poison. <laughs> he, he went through all the other poisons and finally got into the rat poison. It worked. Ate it. <laughs> died behind the water heater. He kept wanting poison. Poison he got. Mmm, I want more poison. Have all the poison you want. That's what it is to harden a heart. Mmm, think I'm going to harden my heart. 
Okay, God says, you want poison? You have all the poison you want. Oh, I'm going to harden my heart even harder. Harden away. Okay, you're going to do it. God allows them to do it. Pharaoh refused to submit to the word of the Lord. And in so doing, amazingly, to our main point, he fulfilled the word of the Lord. Isn't that something? He refuses to submit to the word of the Lord. And in so doing, he fulfills the word of the Lord. And it shows that the Lord is doing his own purposes. Just as the Lord had spoken through Moses, it says. Same thing in chapter 4, verse 21. God says it's going to happen. It happens. God says it again in chapter 7. Uh, he says it again in chapter 7 again, uh, that uh, Pharaoh's going to harden his heart just as the Lord said, just as it says in our passage here. All right, our last point uh, on this, and we'll close. Um, I'm with uh, icy, uh, icy uh, uh, illustrations here today, and this is, a, this is an oldie, but y- you can whip it out every once in a while, it's, but it's really, it's icky and uncomfortable. But uh, the 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 myth is, I don't know if it's true or not, but the myth is that uh, in cold areas when you got a troublesome wolf and the troublesome wolf is uh, invading the Eskimo camp or whatever, uh, you know how they would do it? This is, anybody know this illustration, this old illustration? It's a knife blade where they take a knife blade, really sharp knife, and they dip it in some blood and they let it freeze. They dip it in some blood and they let it freeze. They dip it in some blood and let it freeze. They can put some layers on there and then they bury it in the snow, blade side up, hilt side down. And then the wolf comes by, the troublesome wolf at night, and goes, hmm, little blood. Takes a lick. Takes a few more licks. Finally, it takes enough licks where it's down to the blade. Now it's producing its own blood. Doesn't even know it. And does itself in by licking that thing. Now caught up in its own problem. I'm telling you, ladies and gentlemen, that kind of blindness can come upon us too. And it happens when the skies are blue. Doesn't happen when the, the skies are are, are difficult and we're crying out for mercy. It happens when the road is wide and we should watch out for that. Remember, not to exalt yourself before the Lord. He is exalted before us and he is well able to humble. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you are who you are and that you have uh, set your love on a people, uh, though undeserved, uh, you've done it everlastingly. You've done it in your kindness, and uh, it's not because we were more numerous or more beautiful or more good or more um, hardworking or wiser or more beautiful. Um, It is simply because you decided to love. Might we understand what grace is, Lord? Might we understand that it's a free gift? Might we understand that you are to be exalted in all things? And might you empower us by the Holy Ghost whom you sent in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, y'all. Catch you next week.